You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. We're going to talk this morning about how oftentimes pride gets in the way of following uh, Jesus. Before I get into that, though, I want to just uh, mention that, that once again this year we're kind of organizing and we're going to be participating in the Bible Reading Marathon. Uh, most of you maybe are familiar with this. Those of you that are not, for the last several years, uh, all 99 counties in the state of Iowa have participated in this at one level or another. Most counties uh, get together and uh, they just take like a full week and they just kind of begin to read the Bible aloud, beginning in Genesis 1-1 and go all the way to uh, the end of Revelation. The last several years, um, and most counties have done this, they do that at the county courthouse. Um, Ours is right across the street here from us, and we do have uh, permission to once again uh, do the Bible reading there. So uh, beginning on Tuesday, August 27th at 9 o'clock, we're going to kind of kick that um, off. We've got many of our city leaders are going to be in that first two hours kind of reading for 15 minutes. And then uh, what we're asking is just individuals to sign up uh, to take a 15-minute block. So you just kind of come for your appointed time. Wherever the last person left off, you kind of pick up and you just begin to read aloud for your 15 minutes and you just pass it off to the next person. Uh, We've in the past, we've had over 20 different churches uh, participate in this. So it's a very, very ecumenical, uh, it's kind of a universal church uh, working together, which is wonderful, brings great unity and fellowship there uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, To be able to do this, it uh, requires about 320 readers, takes about 80 hours. We're hoping to conclude uh, Sunday by 6 p.m. So if you are interested in participating, uh, Roxanne Wagner, where are you, Roxanne? Roxanne's right over here. Roxanne's going to be right outside the uh, worship area here following services this morning. She has a sign-up sheet. We've got two uh, blocks of time. You can sign up for one or several 15-minute segments and uh, just come and be a part of, again, reading God's Word um, and just proclaiming uh, God's just that word of God over uh, our county. Last week, we kind of left off and we were talking uh, about how all of us need help from God. No matter where we're at in life, no matter how long we've been a a Christian, uh, whether we are a Christian, there are just things we all need help from God um, with. And there are issues of pride that really oftentimes get in the way of us receiving the help we so desperately need. Now, we've talked about, you know, there are, you know, healthy aspects to pride, you know, a a good self-image that's, you know, based on who we are in Christ, a a biblical, healthy self-image. We we can take pride in that. That's a healthy form of pride, Uh, to take pride in the way that we look, the way that we do our job. Uh, If you're in college or school, taking pride in the work you do, taking pride if you're in in sports, taking pride in the uh, way you compete. There are healthy ways that we can exhibit pride. And 
We also talked about there are very unhealthy and very destructive ways that we can exhibit pride in our lives. And one of the main ways that we can exhibit pride in our lives is just this independence from God. God, I don't need you. I, I can do this on my own. I don't need your help. I can do it myself. And that's, that's a form of pride that the Bible says God hates because of what it does in our relationship with him and what it does in our relationship with others. It really gets in the way of God doing what he needs and wants to do in us. And so that's a form of pride that God does not um, want us to exhibit. And so last week I gave kind of some benchmarks, some indicators, some questions that you can kind of ask yourself and this will kind of help you to kind of see to what degree you may be struggling with areas of pride uh, in your life. So if you were here last week, this will just be a good review for you. Those of you who missed last week, this will be hopefully helpful, an indicator as to where you are in maybe your struggle uh, with pride. Uh, so the question is, does it irritate you when somebody corrects you for your faults or mistakes? It, it, it does me. It, it'll irritate me if somebody points out faults or mistakes. So again, that's a form of pride. Now again, are you an individual who, when you make a mistake, always has an alibi, always has an excuse? You always have a very good reason for why you did or why you said what you said or you did. Um, when somebody wrongs you or somebody does something you don't like, have you ever found yourself saying, I don't need that person. I can get along without that person. I don't need him or her in my life. Again, that is this self-sufficiency, that sense of not needing, not wanting this person. Again, that is a manifestation of pride. Do you find it difficult to seek counsel? Is it difficult for you to ask somebody for advice? Are you the type of individual uh, who wants to just figure everything out for yourself? Again, this is also a form of pride. Do you have an ungrateful spirit? Or perhaps you complain for what God has not given to you as if God owes you something. Again, that's pride. Is your life marked by this sense of competition or is there kind of this one-upsmanship, kind of like what you saw there uh, in the video? Any of those questions, we respond yes. Again, those are indicators. God's using that to kind of help you pinpoint some areas in your life where you may be struggling with pride and the good news is God is here to help us in that. So last week we started talking about the hefty price tag because there's a price tag that comes um, with this kind of pride, again, that operates apart from God. And one of those price tags is, is pride provokes deity. Pride angers 
God. God hates it. Listen to again, Proverbs 6, 16. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven of these are just an abomination. So not only does God hate this, but this is a deeper level of hate. This is an abomination to God, a proud look. Talked last week, that leads the parade. It's number one. It's out of the starting gate. And all the others that are listed there kind of come out of that place of pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. So right there, Solomon is talking about a proud look, pride in our hearts that that is an abomination to God, and he hates it. And again, the reason that God hates and has the the kind of, of strong emotion attached to that is because of what it does to our relationship with him uh, again, it, it creates this, I don't need you, I'm going to be independent of you, and what it does to our relationship with others, I'm going to be independent of you, I don't need you in my life. The truth of the matter is we need God more than we realize, and we need others more than maybe we're willing to admit. God created and designed every one of us first and foremost to have a relationship with him. And then, secondly, to be able to have healthy, life-giving relationships with each other. And we'll never, ever reach our God-given potential or destiny without God, without other people. So the first price tag we pay for this kind of pride that distances us from God and from others is it provokes God. He hates that kind of pride. The second price tag, and this is where we left off last week, um, the second price tag is pride mask depravity. I had to have something that was a D to go with deity uh, from point one. But again, depravity, it's our sinfulness. Pride, it will mask, it will hide those areas of sin in our lives. Sometimes we, we miss this a lot because we'll say, well, I'm not that bad. Yeah, I may have some pride in my life, but I'm not as bad as others. See, I don't steal, I don't kill I don't lie, I don't murder, I I don't commit adultery, I don't take the Lord's name in vain, and and we kind of end up pulling and, and puffing ourselves up because of what we don't do, all the while we're ignoring or we're just kind of ignorant of the things that we do do um, that are also indicators of the sinfulness that really is kind of at work uh, in our lives, oftentimes undetected, and that sinfulness, it's kind of, it, it's, it's going on inside and then it's manifesting itself outwardly. Again, remember what Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. So again, it, it, this is something that can manifest itself in your heart. It doesn't even have to get into your hands or your feet, right? It, it can just be in our, our attitude, in our hearts. And one of the ways that, that pride is deceptive, again, is that we can just become blinded to it. That's why Jesus said in Mark 7, 20, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. For from within, inside 
Out of the heart of man, he says, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Jesus said all these evil things come from within. In the the heart is where they begin. And he said, that's what defiles a man. So it it may never get into the hands or the feet, but if it's in the heart, it is an area of pride and it defiles a man. Last year, our staff went through a book together called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And it took us about a year to get through this book. Not because we were slow readers, but because we, we purposely decided we're gonna go through this book very, very slowly. And our desire really was we wanted to become more healthy, uh, more emotionally healthy, mature, more well-rounded Christian leaders in, in our congregation, in our community. And so again, we would sometimes just spend several hours on just one concept because for, you know, God's perfect timing was, we, we would constantly say, it is amazing how this particular chapter so speaks to an area I'm dealing with right now in my life. And so it gave us an opportunity to look at the material, to begin to really digest and understand how is God wanting to use this in my life to make me a more emotionally healthy, more emotionally uh, mature uh, believer. And one of the first chapters uh, in, in the book is called Face Your Shadow. And the basic premise of this chapter was every one of us in this room has a shadow. And the term shadow, and I'll give it to you as the book kind of defines it, is our shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts that, while largely unconscious, again, we're not aware of it, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. I'm gonna leave that up there for a second. I want you to look at that. I want you to study that. I want you to absorb that. You're being given a truth here that applies to every one of us in this room, me first and foremost. I have a shadow, you have a shadow, we, every one of us have a shadow in some way, in some form, and I will guarantee you, spend enough time with me, if I spend enough time with you, I will see that shadow manifest. You'll see that shadow in me manifest. Now here's what pride is telling some of you right now in this room, that you're exempt. I don't have a shadow. This doesn't apply to me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Pride will tell you. This is true about other people, but it ain't true about you. 
You have victory in Jesus or or, or some version of this. That's how pride will kind of begin to manifest right now. Again, to kind of protect you from having to acknowledge the shadow or if you acknowledge the shadow to kind of begin to get in touch, what is that? Now here's the price you're gonna pay. If you buy into this notion that you don't have a shadow, here's the big price you're gonna pay for that. You're never gonna go beyond a certain point, your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth until you acknowledge, own, repent of and invite God into the places of your shadow so that God can begin to bring healing, restoration, wholeness, and eventual victory in that area of your life. In most cases, you will remain stuck and immature, and and that immaturity is just going to manifest itself all over the place. And it's the reason why most Christians are at the same place now in their walk with Christ that they were 15, 20 years ago. I've had the privilege of knowing a lot of people in this community for many years. And it's amazing to me, they they don't specifically have to go to this church, but it's amazing to me, I will get together with them and I will basically see absolutely zero spiritual growth in their walk. And mainly that's due to the fact they don't know, they don't own, they don't deal with, they do nothing to try to overcome the effects of the shadow in their life. And again, this shadow, it will, it'll manifest, it will erupt in various form. Sometimes it will reveal itself in those very overt, in-your-face kind of ways, such as murder, stealing, anger, rage, adultery, greed, bitterness, lust, jealousy, resentment, uh, judgmentalism, just to name a few. Or the shadow will kind of maybe reveal itself in maybe some more subtle, and, and we kind of think of these as maybe kind of, uh, of nice ways. Um, And it may just be, again, uh, that need to rescue other people. Oh, I got to save this person from that. No, 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 no. You're not going to rescue anybody. They need Jesus to rescue them. But oftentimes we can get what they call this Messiah complex. I'm going to save you. I'm going to be the answer to your problem. And chances are you are going to become a part of their problem very, very quickly. It can manifest itself in a way that you just need to be noticed. You know, a a need to be liked by other people an inability maybe to stop working. You're a workaholic. Maybe it's a tendency toward isolation. Again, this sense of, I don't need other people. The shadow may show itself through our weaknesses or maybe areas where we have been wounded. I'll talk a little bit about that here this morning. It may show itself in the way that maybe we protect ourselves from feeling vulnerable or being transparent or or exposing ourselves. Often we use pride. Again, that is the main barrier in protecting ourselves from admitting, from owning, and dealing with our shadow. And interesting, we are experts, all of us in this room. We are experts at seeing the shadow 
in our spouse, in our children, in our coworkers, in our neighbors, but man, we are blinded to the shadow that remains in us. Or if we admit we have a shadow, pride will keep us from acknowledging what the shadow is or keep us really from doing anything about it. Oh, that's just the way I am. That's just me. That's just my family. Pride will motivate us to mask it, to hide it, to pretend it doesn't exist. And all the while, it will continue to negatively manifest itself in our lives, in our relationship with God, and in our relationship with others. Let me just give you a few examples of how this shadow may be at work in your life, and I'll use my life um, as an example. Those of you that maybe have that God-given gift, uh, that maybe you can speak and, and God uses you to inspire, maybe to motivate people through your teaching, your speaking. And again, that is a good thing. And God wants to use that. God does use that. Now, the shadow side of this gift is it, it could be you're using this also as a need for never-ending affirmation. For me personally, one of the things I try to, I, I try to balance up here um, is speaking about my own struggles and failures, okay? I have to be careful that my openness, my transparency, my just exposing some of my weaknesses and my struggles before you, I have to be very aware, I have to be very careful that I'm not using those as a way to get sympathy or pity from other people. When I start sharing about some of the darker parts of my past, I always have to be aware of why am I sharing this? What's the purpose of doing that? Or is it really just kind of a veiled attempt at me to just get attention, to get people to feel sorry for me? So again, there's the, the gift that God gives you, but there's also this potential shadow that I've always gotta be aware of. I value excellence. I value things being done well. I love it when things go smoothly. I love it when things go well here on a Sunday morning. I believe excellence inspires people. The shadow side of that for me is it is very easy for me to slide from excellence into perfectionism. Carol Lester, where are you, Carol? Carol will remember this, um, and when we first started Praise Community Church, um, I would have a lot of PowerPoints, and um, I would maybe do more than just one video, um, rather than just an opening video. I may have videos interspersed throughout uh, the sermon, and, and I put a lot of work into the sermon, um, and there would be Sunday mornings where either the PowerPoint wouldn't work, a video wouldn't work, uh, or the whole system crashed. And Carol remembers, I would go ballistic. It irritated me, and I let everybody know I was irritated. 
And I, and I, I would often veil that, you know, that, oh, I just care so much about what we're doing. Um, and, and I just want, you know, to make sure that things are, are going. And, and no matter, I, I was just trying to mask what really bothered me. And that was, I wanted everything to be perfect all the time. And I had no tolerance for failure or mistakes. And so I struggle with this line between excellence and perfectionism. Now, I've gotten much better with it over the years, but again, I just still have to be very aware of my tendency to kind of go from excellence. I still like excellence. I want things to go well. I, I want to inspire people, but I just have got to be careful because there is a line I can cross where I get into perfectionism. And so again, that is a shadow in my life that I'm aware of, and there are times where God has to kind of, you know, correct me on that. Hey, you're getting into perfectionism here. And the problem with perfectionism for me and for most of us is it makes no allowances for mistakes, for failure, and I hate failing. I hate making mistakes. But I'm, I'm becoming more, again, more aware, and I'm able to recognize and to accept that truth that no matter how great of a person you are, no matter how great of a Christian you are, no matter how much you have got it together in life, you're going to fail. Again, I hate failing. I hate making mistakes. It's tough for me. I beat myself up when I make a mistake or I have a failure. And I promise myself, I'll never do that. I'll never let that happen again until it inevitably happens again. And I go through this vicious cycle. But I'm, I'm getting better. Because again, I, I understand that shadow in me that can go from excellence to perfection very easily. You're gonna fail. Every one of us are gonna make mistakes. You're going to let people down. You are going to disappoint people. I'm sure there are those of you sitting here this morning that are disappointed with me. Now, it used to bother me. It used to drive me nuts. I would lay awake at night and think, what could I do to get that person to like me again? Now, again, the other, other direction I could go with that is just to simply say, I don't care. I, I do care. I need to care. I want to care but I can't care so much that I'm willing uh, to compromise or to go beyond what God would have me to go beyond um, to meet that. So I, I have to work hard at this one, and I gotta discern by God's help, am I operating in excellence? Or am I being driven, again, by that shadow, that impossible need to be perfect? Again, pride has kept me from seeing that. And when I did see it, pride kept me from admitting it, from owning it, from giving it to God and saying, God, I really need your help with this one. Another way that we can, or that shadow can manifest is sometimes we can be very zealous for biblical truth. Biblical doctrine, or again, right theology. And I, I run into this, you know, a lot. And, and again, that can be a very good and a very necessary thing. Our, our churches need to be founded. They need to be built upon good, solid, biblical foundation and truth. The shadow side of this is when our zeal, our drive for truth, 
and theological purity overrides our call and need to love and honor those who may disagree with us. Look at our culture today. Man, if I don't agree with you, I am an idiot. I am stupid. I need to be wiped off the face of the earth. If you like Donald Trump, you are a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, and you need to be wiped off the face of the earth. If you voted for Barack Obama, you are not a Christian, you are not spirit. Whoa, where is this coming from? It's where we value truth, purity, over the greater call to love one another. And to love one another in spite of our differences, in spite of our difference of opinion. Now, I pick on Dan a lot because um, he picks back. You know, Dan, Dan may have been a Christian for maybe a month. And I've been a Christian for 35 years. Who would you expect to maybe have a better handle on the truth? Someone who's been a Christian for a week or someone who's been a Christian for 30 years. You would expect, it's not always true, I've run into the exact opposite here, but you would expect that, you know, the person who's been a Christian longer, who has a little bit more spiritual maturity and growth, would probably have maybe a better handle on the truth than a person who maybe has known the Lord for a week. And, and I see this all the time. Those of us who think we know more than other people, we want to go to those we think that don't know as much, and we want to put them down. We want to correct them. And, and oftentimes, we do it without love. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? You can know all things, but if you have love, you're nothing. You know nothing. You have gained nothing. You can know all prophecies. You can know all truth, Paul says. You can give uh, all your money to the poor. You can allow yourself to be burned at the stake for what you believe. You're, you believe what you believe so strongly you're willing to die for it. And Paul says, you know what? If you don't love, it is nothing. So oftentimes that zeal to be right. I'm right, you're wrong. As Christ's followers, we're called, every one of us in this place, and I'm so glad Pam's been doing the spiritual gifts class. We're gonna try to offer that again in the fall because we believe every person in here has been uniquely gifted with a particular gift in a way to serve the body of Christ and to serve one another. And the shadow side of this can manifest itself in that we isolate ourselves in the kitchen or we kind of hide away in the nursery, or we find a classroom where we can kind of get by ourselves as a way to avoid talking or really being around other people. It may be a device we use to protect ourselves from getting too close to others. And again, when it comes to these shadows, and there, there are many of them, 
When it comes to these shadows kind of operating and manifesting in our lives, most of us kind of fall into one or two extremes in the way we respond to this. The first extreme is, I am totally bad. I am a loser. I'm a horrible person. Nothing good dwells in me. I am a sinner. I am beyond hope. That's one extreme. The other extreme is, I'm good. I'm a saint. I'm an overcomer. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am uniquely and wonderfully made. Now, both views have elements of truth to them. They may be rooted in pride, but holding to one extreme or the other will lead us into biblical distortion and hinder our spiritual growth and maturity. In order to have a healthy perspective and approach, especially when it comes to our shadow, we've got to hold both of those together, those views together in a healthy tension. At any given time, every one of us in this room, we are a mixture of these tensions and contradictions. Every one of us in this room, we are a mix between good and struggles, good and sin. I mean, we all, we all struggle in, in some areas there. And when we kind of come to accept and just begin to understand, there are some struggles, there are some weaknesses, there's some areas in me that just God needs to do a greater and a deeper work in. It allows us to be realistic. It allows us to be accepting of ourselves and accepting of other people. It will also drive us to acknowledge our shadow and also our need for God's help in dealing with this in our lives. It's there, trust me. It's there. Again, if I were to spend any amount of time with you, chances are very good I will encounter that. We just have to be willing with God's help to be open, to acknowledge it, to repent and ask God, help me in this area of my life. So pride will try to mask, to try to hide our sinfulness. Last one I'm gonna give, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this because I'm out of time. Uh, third thing, pride, the uh, third price tag is pride uh, produces dissension. Do you know there's never been a war? There's never been an argument. You've never had an argument. There's never been a fight, a scuffle, a disagreement that wasn't somehow, somewhere rooted in pride. Pride produces dissension, division, arguments. That's what Proverbs 13 said. Pride leads to arguments. There's never been a war that pride was not the major factor. There's never been a divorce, but what pride was the major factor. Matter of fact, Jesus said, it's the hardness of your heart that produces divorce. And often pride is a mix of that hardening of the heart. Pride leads to arguments. And that may be where some of you are. You're very, very argumentative. And again, that is a manifestation of pride and that is gonna bring division. It's gonna bring 
uh, um, again, dissension into your relationships. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we thank you this morning that you are the God of all mercy. You're the God of all comfort. You're the God of all grace. And God, you see every one of us as we truly are. And you love us fully, completely, unconditionally, without exception. And God, your desire is to see your love manifest more and more in each one of us. And often, God, for that love to manifest in the fullness you desire, God, there are things that hinder that and get in the way of that love being fully manifested in us. Whether it's loving you back or loving others. And God, often pride is one of those things that kind of masks or it hides those things in us that are obstacles and roadblocks to your love fully manifesting. And so this morning, Father, again, you have given us repentance as a way, again, to acknowledge those areas, those obstacles, those hurdles that keep your love from fully manifesting in us. And so this morning, Father, as you kind of again begin to reveal, as you begin to shine your light in those areas of our shadows, those areas of our imperfections, those areas of our, our sinfulness, Father, you're not doing it as a way to condemn us. You're doing it as a way to help us to take that, to turn to you and to ask for your help in dealing in this particular place in our life. So again, Father, we just start this morning uh, again by just acknowledging God, every one of us here have those shadows, have those places in our lives, those obstacles that are hindering your love. So this morning, Father, we just turn, we repent, and we ask, God, that you would help us to overcome. And Father, again, we just thank you, Lord, that, that your love for us never changes. It never fails. And so this morning, Father, we come in the fullness of that love. No fear, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. We thank you. Your word says your perfect love, it drives out all fear. So we don't have to be afraid to own this. We don't have to be afraid to acknowledge it. We don't have to be afraid to share it with others and ask for accountability or help from them because your perfect love, it's driving out that fear, that shame, that guilt, that condemnation. Just as I am, we come this morning. And again, we thank you that you are there as our loving Heavenly Father to receive us, to forgive us, and to help us become more and more like Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to just again, as we close in worship this morning, we offer. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.